You're listening to the weekly podcast of Citizens Church with Pastor Chris Norman. For more information on the work that God is doing through Citizens Church, please visit us online at citizenschurch.org. So I want to teach on this, uh, this biblical principle uh, of generosity. Generosity. And I want to start by, by reminding you who you are, reminding us as a church who we are. Citizens, I want you to know that you are a part of a church that is committed to making a difference in our world. I want you to know that you're a part of a church that is committed to leaving a legacy. Like, listen, friends, in, in the wake of what we are doing as a people and, and following after God and serving him, in the wake of, of God working in and through us, our cities will be different. Does anyone but Pastor Trey believe me? Our cities will be different. Come on. Our schools will be different. Our state, believe it or not, Pastor don't you know we're in California? Our state will be different. I genuinely believe that. We are a church that God is working in right now. Church, I'm so proud of you and the way that you stepped out in the share the love. Like what, we have 250, 300 volunteers blessing our city, touching our city, reaching the story after story after story of so many lives that God touched. We're just getting started. It's just the tip of the iceberg. We are going to run in such a way and continue to run in such a way that, come on, your friends are going to find hope. Your families are going to experience healing. Generations are going to be shaped by what we do here. Listen, we're building something that outlasts us. You're going to leave a legacy. Someone say legacy. 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 Legacy is what you leave when you leave behind. Legacy is, is, is what people talk about at your funeral. I know no one wants to think about their funeral, but I think it's kind of healthy that you think about your funeral. What do you want people to say at your funeral? When you get in mind the legacy you want to leave, when you get clarity on the legacy you want to leave, it gives you clarity on then how you should live. And I think a lot of people don't live with the end in mind, and so they just kind of wander around in life. We've got an end in mind. We are going to leave a legacy. And the clarity on that fact of what I want to leave now shows me how to live. And can I share something with you, a biblical principle? That those who leave a legacy, those who affect change in their society, those who are used by God to turn the tides of depression on our campuses, who, who turn the, the tides of, 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 of depression in, 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 in our nation and on, on, the, on the rise of suicide, who turn, the, who turn the tides on people trapped and lost and hopelessness, people who turn the tide are people who are generous. Generous. You know, I don't know what you think of when you think of God, but I want, you to, I want you to understand something about God. God is a generous God. Like, do you know that God invented giving? It's, it's God's idea. And God is the great giver. Like, think about this, friends. Have you ever considered that everything we have, we have because God gave us what we have? God gave us creation. You just go back to the very beginning. He goes, I'm going to give. What am I getting? First creation. You know what? Grateful that God gave us creation. Was he? he creates and he puts Adam and Eve within creation and he gives creation to humanity. God gave us creation. God gave us our next breath. God gave us scripture. Anyone grateful for God's word? I'm grateful for God's word. 
You know, David said, I love the law. And you're like, David, who loves laws? David's like, I do. Well, David, why do you love the law? He understood that God giving us the law, God giving us scripture was also God revealing his heart to us. God who knows how all things work is choosing to reveal to you and I how all things work. And so David said, I love your law. I love your word. God gave us creation. God gave us his word. God is the great giver. God gave us his son, Jesus. Now listen, how did God choose to affect change within humanity? Humanity's running around doing their own thing. They're lost, confused. They're suffering. They're, they're, they're just like imploding on themselves. And God says, I need to affect change. How does God affect change? God affects change by giving his son. For God so loved the world that he gave. He did something about it. And what he did is he, and he chose out of generosity, he didn't have to, but out of generosity to give his son. Jesus then goes and gives his life on the cross, which gives you and I salvation. Jesus then conquers death and the grave. He rises again. Come on, church. And he sends to heaven, and he gives us now his spirit, by which we are empowered to live the life that he's called us to live. God is a continual giver. He blesses his people. He gives and he gives and he gives and he gives and he enacts change through giving. God, the great giver, gives us all things. Everything I have comes from him. Everything I have belongs to him. And then what does he tell me to do with all that he gave me? He tells me to give as he has given See, God led the way in this. And then he turns to you and I and says, I've given to you, but here's why I've given to you. I've given to you that I might give through you. I've blessed you. He told literally, he told the nation of Israel, I've blessed you to be a blessing. And so God gives and he calls us then to give what he has given so that we too might enact change and effect change in the world around us. You know, I love the example of Abraham. I, I was thinking about, like, where do I take us in this series? I was wrestling with a lot of different verses, but in, in places where generosity shows up, it's all over the place. But I want to take you somewhere that you might not expect me to take you today. Maybe a passage of scripture you've read, but you've never thought about it through the lens of generosity. Where I want to take you is over to the story of Abraham. Abram at this point. When he cuts ways with his nephew, Lot. What I want you to see in this story is a, is, a, is a few things about how generous people live. Because Abram at this point in his life had learned to be generous. And he teaches us in this story how generous people live, how generous people enact change, how generous people live in a way that leaves a legacy that impacts not just their life, but all the lives that would follow their after him, and you pick up the story in Genesis chapter 13, and here's what it tells us in Genesis 13. It tells us, Abraham said to Lot, let me give you the backstory so you understand what's happening before this conversation. So Abraham and his nephew Lot are, are, are traveling together, and as they travel together, God's blessing them, and their, their herds are growing, and, and, uh, and um, their livestock is now multiplied, and 
And as they're traveling together, they're starting to realize that maybe they can't travel together much longer because there's just not enough room for, you know, all of their livestock and all their servants and all the people that they have with them, all their family that they have with them. And, and so it's just getting a little uncomfortable, okay? And they've, they've got all this livestock. And so what's starting to happen is that there's this tension now between the herdsmen. And they start fighting uh, amongst one another. And Abraham, because he doesn't want the tension, he doesn't want the fighting, he comes up with this plan, and, and here's his plan. Let's read it together. So Abram said to Lot, he said, let's not have any quarreling between you and me, or between your herdsmen and mine, for we are close relatives. It's not the, it's not the whole land before you. Let's part company. That's a good idea, right? But now watch how Abram does this as he teaches us about generosity. If you go to the left, this is Abram speaking, to Lot. He says, Lot, if you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Lot looked around and saw that the whole plain of the Jordan towards Zohar was well watered like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. He says to Lot, Lot, you go first. Hold up, everybody. Do you realize that Abraham in this moment, he could have pulled, he could have pulled rank. He could have said, don't you know who I am? He, he could have said, I'm older, I'm going to make the decision here. He, he could have pulled rank. But what does Abram do? Abram chooses to give Lot first priority. He says, Lot, you go first. Lot, I'm not going to try to wrestle this into being and, and hold on to it with my own ambitions, my own thoughts of what I think should happen. And here's what I'm going to do. Instead of being close-fisted, someone say close-fisted, I'm going to choose right now in this moment to be open-handed. Someone say open-handed. And so he said, Lot, you go first. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of Jordan and set out toward the east, and the two men parted company. If you're taking notes this morning on generosity, as we learned from Abram, I want you to write this down. The generous, the generous trust God. The generous trust God. What was Abraham doing here in this moment when he said, Lot, you go first? Can I tell you what he was doing? He was trusting God. Now, I need you, in order to fully understand it, to back up from Genesis 13 over into Genesis chapter 12. What's happening in Genesis chapter 12? In Genesis chapter 12, Abram is moving out of his hometown and he... He gets into this place where now he's experiencing a drought, and so he goes down to Egypt, okay? And as he gets to the border of Egypt, he's getting ready to go in. He turns to his wife, Sarah, and she, he says, hey, listen, girl, you're good looking. You're a beautiful woman. Everyone knows it. Oh, my goodness, right? Here's what I want you to do. When we go into Egypt, if anyone asks, I want you to tell them that you're my sister, Okay? Because if they find out you're my wife, they might kill me so that they can have you. And so I just want, just tell people you're my sister. Come on, but that's a little crazy. She was probably like, what? He's like, just roll with me. I don't want to cause trouble. I don't want to, you know. And, and, and here's, what, here's, what, here's what Abram's doing. Watch. He's trying to manipulate the situation. 
He's trying to hold on to it. He's trying to go, okay, I'm so worried, and, and here's what we're gonna do. Is instead of trusting God, I'm gonna choose to, to, to hold on and, and get my way, and, and I'm gonna try to weasel this and, and tell them that, and I'm, gonna try to, I'm just gonna try to hold on to this. I'm, I'm gonna make it happen. And he's holding on tightly to the plan. He's holding on tightly to his way, and, and so he asks Sarah to tell everybody that she's actually his sister when, in fact, she's not. Well, the story goes on as they move into the land. God begins, watch, to curse the Pharaoh and to curse the land. And the Pharaoh knows, what the heck is going on? Why is everything falling apart around here? Why is everything unraveling? Why is nothing going good anymore? What? And he's, and he's trying to figure it out. And he hears that this whole time, Abram had been lying to him and that Sarah was, in fact, his wife. And so... Pharaoh goes to Abram and says, brother, what were you thinking? Why have you brought this curse upon me? Why have you brought this plague upon us with your little scheme? Abraham learned that when I tried to hold on, when I tried to manipulate, when I, when I, instead of trusting God, say, I got a better plan and I got a better way, I got it. Abraham learned that when he tries to do it his way, all he gets is his way. Things start to unravel. And so now you get over to Genesis chapter 13, and he's got another decision before him. What am I going to do when it comes to the land that I'm going to live in? What am I going to do? Well, he knew in the back of his mind that God had promised to bless him. Citizens Church, listen to me. God has promised to bless you. God, God, God wants to touch your life. God wants to bless your life. God wants to do good things. Like God, God desires to bless you. So here's what Abraham did. Is he leaned on the promise of God. He said, you know what? God has promised to bless me. And so right now, in this situation, in this decision I'm going to make, instead of being closed-fisted, someone say closed-fisted. I'm going to choose instead to be, someone say open-handed. Open-handed. I'm going to trust God. And so, Lot, you go first. What was he doing in that moment? He was trusting that God was so big that as, as Abram opened up his life in this decision, instead of manipulating it and, and getting fancy with it and, and working, instead of all that, he's just going to trust God with it. He trusted that as he trusted God with it, that God would bless him, that God would work, that God would guide him, that God would just show up in it as he chose to live in faith as he chose to live with an open hand. And friends, that's how the generous live. Genesis 12, you have stingy Abram, Weasley Abram, figure it out on my own Abram. Genesis 13, you have faithful Abram, trust you God Abram. You have generous Abram, God whatever you want, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna keep my life, someone say open open. Keep my life open. See, giving says, God, you've promised to bless me. You promised to provide for me. And so I'm going to trust that as I pour out, as I keep my life open, you're going to pour in. You're going to bless. I, I, I'm going to give priority to giving. I'm going to live in a way that you've called me to live, trusting that you're going to bless me as I live this way. Open, open, open. You know, when, when we talk about giving, most people think about money. And it doesn't only Generosity is not just a lifestyle that we live when it comes to our money. It is a lifestyle in every single aspect of our life. We take what God has given us and we live generously with it and we trust God with it. But money is a very, you know, basic 
uh, fundamental one that God calls us to trust him in. Matter of fact, it's the one that God uses when he says you cannot serve both God and, you know what he said? Money, mammon, why? Because God knew that this would be one of the things that we wrestle with more than anything, is trusting God when it came to the area of our money. So when God says to give, and he asks us to give financially, what is the issue that's at play when God asks us to give of our financial resource? It's an issue, listen to me, of trust. It's an issue of, am I going to be closed-fisted and, and, and try to do this on my own or open-handed and trust God with what he wants to do? Anyone got any cash in here today? Come on, I need some cash. Come on, I just need, I just need like, the more the merrier. Come on, just bring me money, bring me money, bring me money. I promise I'll give it back. I'll take 10% and give it back. I'm just kidding. Thank you, sir. Come on, everybody, give it up. Oh, listen, to it. hey, 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 wait, 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 wait. I don't need all, I just need... I just need one. He just, he just wants you to see, he rolling today. He's rolling today. He just showed up rolling. So let me teach you something. And let this come from here and flow into every area of your life. Because we will leave a legacy. We are going to be a people who, who just touch our nation. Our state. But I'm telling you, it starts with this issue of trust. Giving financially is a, is a trust issue. Here's this thing that we call cash. Let me ask you a couple questions. Where did it come from? How, how do I have what I have? We already covered it. God gave you all that you have. Do you believe it? Okay, so then it's not my house, it's God's house. It's not, it's not my money, it's God's money. It's not, it's not my time, it's God's time. It's not my talent, it's God's talent. It's not my gift, it's God's gift. It's not, it's not my, my marriage. Hey, God, this is your marriage. What do you want? Hey, these are not. It, and it starts to help as you go down the list, right? These aren't my kids, God, they're your kids. Right? I always, I love that when you get into stressful situations. Things happen at church, I go, God, it's not my church, it's your church. But God wants you to live that way in everything in life. It's not mine. It comes from him. But hang on a second, uh, Pastor Chris. My, my name was on the check. Listen, because I went to work. Your name might be on the check, and you might have gone to work, but God gave you the ability to do that work so you could get the check with your name. God gave you all that you have. Do you understand that? So it's not yours. It's God's. Okay, so everyone's there. Deuteronomy 8.18 says this, but remember the Lord your God, for it is he who has given you the ability to produce wealth. God did that. Okay, so it's all God's. But then what does God asks us, ask us to do with what he's given us? Well, he's called us to be this thing called stewards. Do you know what a steward is? A steward is somebody who doesn't own what they have. They look after it on behalf of the one who actually does own what they have. So if you're stewarding an estate, it's not your estate. You're looking after it for the person that it actually belongs to. And so God says this. Here's how we're going to work this out. Everything I've given you, I need you to see yourself as a steward. It's not actually yours. You're stewarding it. You're looking after it on behalf of me who's entrusting it to you. Does that make sense? So it comes from God. I'm a steward of it. And then God says, here's how I want you to steward what I've given you. I want you to give out of what I've given you. So, Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10 says this. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. Then your barns will be filled with overflowing, and your vats will brim with new wine. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, to the New Testament church. Paul writing to the Corinthians, he says, now about the collection of 
for God's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do on the first day of every week. Be consistent with this. Be consistent with this. Each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his own income. In other words, a percentage of your income is given every single week in, in keeping with your income. It's a part of your life. It's a part of your rhythm. It's a part. Why? Why? Why is God asking us to do that? Because here's this medium, money. That if we're not careful, we're we'll convince you that it's this that provides for you. That it's this that's going to take care of you. That it's this you therefore need. And it's this that you therefore have to hold on to. Matter of fact, you, you start to think that your security comes from this. And so you tell yourself, the more I have of this, then the more secure I am. The more I have of this, the better off I am. The more I have of this, the more prominent I am. The more I have of this, the more valued I am. And so this becomes such a, such a tricky thing because we want to then, because we believe that's true, some of us, we start to hold on to it and we hoard it and we say, it's mine and I, I need it. And I start to get close-fisted with it because I trust it. I need more of it. I, I, I got to have it. And then God says along, comes along and says, I want you to give it. But God, I need it. God, I, God, I, God, I, I have to have it. And when God comes along and says, give it, your response, again, not just money, but every aspect of your life, your response will tell you what you're trusting. If you say, I can't, then what you're saying is I trust this more than I trust you. You're over in Genesis 12 going, going just tell me my sister and I gotta hold on and I, I gotta stay in control. I gotta, and God wants to get you out of Genesis 12 and over into 13 where you're just going, hey, you choose first. Hey, you, you just, God is open-handed. Because now listen, the issue of what you do when God says give is genuinely an issue of trust. Do I trust this or do I trust God? You know, I think it's so funny that the very thing, our nation, that every one of us in here have a temptation to, to trust. That's why God said you cannot serve both God and mammon because he knew we'd want to trust this. The very thing that we want to trust says, can I read it to you? Hey, fool, trust in God. The very thing I want to go, hold on, I need it, I need God. Says, no, 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 don't trust this. Don't, don't, it's paper, it's paper. Don't trust this. Can I help you, friends? Listen to me, dear brothers and sisters. It is not this cash that provides for you. It is not this paper that is your security. Your God in heaven provides for you. Your God in heaven is your security. Your God in heaven looks after you. Your God in heaven has gone before you. Your God in heaven will bless you bountifully. It is not this cash. It's your God in heaven. But here's the... But if you're constantly going, but it is the cash, it is the cash. Here's what happens. God goes, okay, well, let it be the cash then. If you're going to trust this, all you'll get is this. If I say, God, I got to have this, God goes, okay, let me know how that works out. If I trust this, then all I get is this. But if I trust God, I get more than this. And there's just this principle. Who are you trusting? Where are you turning? What is God after when he asks me to give? regularly, consistently, a percentage of what he's given me? What is he after? I could tell you this. Listen, friends, he's not after your wallet. 
I promise you God's not after your wallet. God's not up in heaven going, oh my gosh, electricity bill's been really high this week. Oh, I hope God's people give. Oh my gosh, I, I, mean, I know it says I have a cattle on a thousand hills, but I can't find them right now. Oh my, you think God in heaven is worried? God is not after your wallet. He's after your worship. He's not after your gift. He's after your gut. You see what God wants in all of this generosity, what he's looking for? He's looking for your heart. Not your tithe, your trust. If I don't trust him with this, all I'm ever going to see in my life is what this can give me. But if I say, God, I'm open-handed, Genesis 13, okay, God, here we go, then I will see in my life more than this could ever do for me because now God gets involved with me. I'm saying, God, I trust you. I'm leaning on you. And when you lean on God, what you discover is God is actually lean-worthy. When you ask God to hold you up, what you'll understand, what you find, is that God will actually hold you up. This is what it, come on, can I just demonstrate this? Like, I don't have a chair, but I'll use this, watch. If, if, if I say, I believe this podium could hold me up, I'm not gonna climb on the podium, everybody, but I'll lean on it. If I believe this could hold me up, if I lean on it, I could say all day long, oh, I believe, I believe it'll hold me up, I believe it. But listen, it's just theory. It's not actually holding me up until, listen, I put a little weight on it. I throw the weight of my life into it. I say, okay, now I'm actually experiencing the fact. Is this making sense? That this podium could hold. Now I'm actually like living in it. I'm not actually, I'm trusting in it. And that's what happens when it comes to generosity. God, God's like, I'm giving you an opportunity to come and discover that I'm actually trustworthy. That I can do for you more than that can do for you. God goes, I can do with the 90% more than you could ever do with the 100%. I could bless it in such a way that, he said, come on. And that's in every aspect of your life. Bible says this, he who refreshes others will himself be what? Refreshed. You walk around going, I need refreshment, and you're holding on to it. Well, God says, you want refreshment, give refreshment. And refreshment will come back to you. Matter of fact, here's what it says over in, in, in our next verse. It says in Corinthians, it says, now about the next verse. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly is going to reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously is going to reap generously. Each of you should give out of what you have decided in your hearts to give, not reluctant under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. He says, he who gives sparingly, if I lean sparingly, I discover sparingly how much God's going to hold me up. If I give generously, God says, you're going to discover how I will generously hold you up. Your foot's on the throttle, you see? And so a giver, at the end of the day, this gen issue of generosity is, is, a, is a trust issue. And the generous, someone say trust God. They trust God. And that's not just with money. This isn't just with money. This is with every aspect of your life. The, the principle of sowing and reaping. We'll talk more about it next week. But the principle of sowing and reaping will go into every single aspect of your life. The generous trust God. And the generous, watch, are blessed by God. That's your second point. Write that down. The generous are blessed by God. So Abraham's in this moment where he's got to choose, am I going to hold on to this and, 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 and get my agenda and my thing, and, or am I just going to trust God? He chooses to trust God. He tells Lot, you choose. And what does God do for Abram? Because now he's living in this place of faith. Watch what it says in, in Genesis.
It goes on to say, the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had parted from him, watch this, look around. He says, now that you're trusting me, now, now that you're being generous, and you're not, he says, now I want you to start to look around. Because, my friend, look around from where you are, to the north and the south, to the east, to the west, all the land, all the land you see, I will give you and your offspring forever. He goes on to say, I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth so that if anyone could count the dust, then their offspring could be counted as well. Go walk through the land, the length, the breadth of the land, for I am giving it to you. Because Abraham trusted God. Because Abram trusted God. Abram was then blessed by God. He got under the flow of the blessing of God in his life because he was trusting God with his life. And friends, generosity does that. It pushes you to say, God, I'm trusting you with my life. And when you're trusting God with your life, then you're living a life of blessing from God because God blesses the ones that trust him with their life. I still don't think you understand. And I often think it's because we don't understand blessing. Let's talk about that for a second. Do you all agree that we look and go, God blessed Abram? Yeah? Well, what is, what is this blessing we're talking about when we say that the generous are blessed by God? See, blessing, blessing is what you and I need more than anything in our life. I just need, listen, God's blessing is what you are longing for in every aspect of your life. The blessing of God in your life is the favor of God. It's the work of God. It's the presence of God in your life. It's the strength of God. It's the, it's, the, it's the patience. It's the peace of God. You ever had peace and you go, is that not my peace? If it, if it was up to me, I'd be stressed out right now. I'd be at wits. But I got a peace inside of me. What is it? It's not my peace. It's, 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 a, it's the peace from God. What, what is it? That's the blessing of God resting upon your life. Because you are walking, watch, not within the confines of your own strength and ability. I'm blessed by God. What's that mean? I'm walking in the unlimited resource of his strength and ability. Right? The blessing of God. And I promise you. What you want more than anything at the core of who you are is the blessing of God. God has created us to walk in the blessing of God. The human heart longs for it. Now watch this, and I don't have time to go through it. Psalm 1. Psalm 1 talks about the person that is blessed by God. He says, they will be like trees planted by the rivers of water whose leaf does not fail. All they do will be blessed, and on and on and on, of how God blesses. But in Psalm 1, he attaches the blessing of God, watch this, to the trusting in God, to the obedience to God, to the leaning into God. And this has always been the issue. In order to be blessed by God, you've got to trust God. Abraham trusted God, and therefore he was blessed from God, by God. It all stemmed from that. And in God's relationship with mankind, the question has always been this and it still is today, are you going to do it your way or my way? And the way we answer that will determine our experience. If we do it our way, Abraham, 12, my way, my way, my, what happens? Things deteriorate. Uh, the Pharaoh's got a curse on the land. The, the, you know, the, there's issues, there's problems. This is my way, my way. If I do it God's way, Lot, you go first. God, I trust you. You end up blessed. 
And this has always been the question of mankind, your way or my way. Either we create environments with our life where God is blessing us or environments in our life where God removes his blessing from us. Now, I want to teach you something. The absence of blessing is what's called a curse. When you hear that word, I'm just going to teach you about it real quick. When you hear that word, you think Harry Potter curse. Like someone got, a, someone got themselves a little, you know, uh, wizardry and we're going to curse it. No, 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 no. The Bible talks about curse as being the blessing of God lifted off of someone's life or lifted off of a nation's life, lifted off of a, of a people group's life. That's the curse of God. Matter of fact, in the Old Testament, when, when there was a drought or the absence of rain, historically, they always saw that as, as God was not blessing his people. He was withholding rain from his people. And they, they saw it as God saying, listen, I'm not getting involved in what's going on down there. I'm not going to, I don't want to be a part of that. Like, I'm not going to endorse that. Like, you're going your way, and so I'm going to let you go. I'm taking my hand off it, and you're going to live in, 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 this, in this curse. Curse is the absence of God's blessing. What God wants for you is not curse. He wants blessing. And you can decide whether you're going to live a deteriorated or a blessed. A absence of God's blessing or walking within God's blessing. What is the deciding factor? Is it going to be your way, Genesis 12? Or is it going to be my way, trusting you? Church, God wants to bless you. And we can either submit to God or we can say, God, I got a better idea. God, I got a better way. I don't know about you, but I want God's blessing on my life. I want God's blessing on this church. I want God's blessing on your family. I want God's blessing in our work. I want, I want to see God doing what God can do. And if I want to see what God can do, I've got to submit myself to what God says we should do. And what God says we should do is just be a generous people. He gives his blessing to those who are generous, to those who give. Listen to Acts chapter 20, verse 35. Acts 20, 35 says this. In everything I did, I showed you, Paul's writing to the church, that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself who said, it is more blessed, it is more blessed, it's more blessed to give than receive. Paul, Paul says, remember Jesus taught this? Like this is just, he was always, Jesus was always talking about this. Like, you couldn't get out of a conversation with Jesus without him mentioning something about this. And what was the this? That it is more blessed to give than receive. In other words, your foot is on the gas here. You want more blessing of God in your life? Then you live more generously with your life. It is a principle that Abraham, Abraham found himself in. But here's what I want you to understand with all of this. The generous, come on. Someone say, trust God. The generous trust God. Someone say, blessed by God. The generous are blessed by God. But here's the foundation of all of it. It's all because the generous 
They love God. Abraham gets into the land, and let me show you the last verse, Genesis 13, 18. When he got into the land, it says, Abraham went near the great trees of Mamre by Hebron, where he pitched his tents, and there he built an altar to the Lord, an altar to the Lord. He built an altar. Someone said he built an altar. You know what an altar is? It's a platform, a platform. A platform, an altar, is what you would use to worship God. So do you know what's happening in Abram's heart? Genesis 13, Lot, you go first. Trusting God, being blessed by God. Trusting God and being blessed by He keeps trusting God with more, and he's being blessed by God with more. And he's living in this, this, this cycle of watching God as he trusts and blesses him. But you know what is the, the foundation of all that? Is that Abram's in this place where he's just in love with God. And the very first thing he does, like the, the very first moment he gets, like after you're done reading about how much he's been blessed by God, is he goes to do what he's been doing all along. He goes to do what he's learned to do. And he goes to worship God. Why does he worship God? Because he loves God. His heart belonged to God. Abraham was able to live a generous life, not because he had to, not because he's forced to, not because he was obligated to, not because, you know, he was being told to and you better go and do. And you, no, he was being generous with his life. Why? He just loved God. And you have to get this. Because if you don't get this, here's what's going to happen in your life. You're going to find yourself trapped in legalism. Oh, you're going to give, and you're going to be generous, and you're going to help people, and you're going to serve, and you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna do it, but you're going to do it because you feel like you have to. That's legalism. I, I have to. I, I have to. I, I, guess I, have, I guess I have to go to church. I, I guess I have to read my Bible. I guess I, guess I have to pray. I, I guess I have to give. I guess I, I have to serve. I guess I have to. I guess I have to. I guess I have to. No, 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 friends, friends. God wants to get you out of the have to and move you into the get to. So Abraham's here going, I'm doing this. Why? Because I get to. I can't help but to, you see. Now, I'm not saying that there's no place for obedience and faith. I think there is place for obedience. But can I tell you something? That's elementary. In other words, if you're doing what you're doing, if you're being generous, if you're giving, if you're, if you're doing it, because you feel like you have to out of this place of obedience. God said so, therefore I'm going to, like I get, I have. that's elementary. And God actually wants to graduate every single one of us out of this, I have to, and he wants to move us into this, I, I get to. You see, because God, wants a relationship with you. It's bathed in just love. So here's what I'd say. If he wants me to do it, God, I can't help it. It's the joy of mine to do it. If you ask me, God, and you want, God, I want it, because I just, I, I love you. It's the relationship he wants with you. Just like you would want. Like, you're married, and if you're married in here, come on, let me see. I'm married. Let me see. Now, there's a place for obedience. 
But none of us want a relationship based in just obedience. Obedience is the safety net for marriages that are, that are struggling, relationships that are struggling. In other words, why are you still in this marriage? Well, there's a, there's a commandment. I can't leave you. And that, it's a net to, to hold the marriage together, but no one wants to be in a relationship like that. Like, why are you here? Because I guess I have to. I, I, you know, it's a law. I want to be in a relationship. It's like, why in this relationship? Because I get to. I love you. I want to be here. I, I want to do this. I want, and see, and it's the same thing with God. Like, there can be obedience. I, I guess I got to be generous. I got to, no, no, no. God says, you can start there, but come here. I just want you to fall in love. Matter of fact, when it comes to this issue of giving, you see what 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 7 says? 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 7 said that when we give, we are to, if we have that, you guys, for the screens. 2 Corinthians says that as we give, we're to give, watch, not reluctantly under compulsion, for God loves a what? Cheerful giver. My, I, I, I get to bless my family. I, I, I get to help other people in my workplace. I, 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 get to, I, just, I am so in love with God that I can't help but to do all that he has asked me to do. And this is Abram. He's in this place where he's just worshiping God with his life on this platform, on this platform, on this platform, on this platform. And I want you to know, friends, every one of you are building a platform. Every one of you have been given a platform. And what God intends for us to do in this area of generosity is just to fall so in love with him that we worship him on every single platform in our life. The relational platform, I'm going to worship God there. I'm going to be generous there. I'm going to give to God there. The, the, the vocational platform, I'm going to worship God there. I'm going to give to God there. I mean, you put me in any place, in any platform, I'm going to worship God with it. My vocational platform, my, my relational platform, my financial platform, every platform in my life that I build, I build build it to worship God because I love God. You give him your heart and everything else follows. You give him your heart and everything else follows in life. So that's the question. Have you given him your heart? Because once you do, everything else is easy. Once you do, Everything else is a get to, and I want to. And so citizens, I need you to hear that, because I never want to lead our church in a way where you feel compelled or, you know, share the love's coming up. You better sign up, and you better get up there and serve, or else God's got lightning bolts, and he's going to, offerings coming by, and I'm watching, and you, but no, never, never, never. We love God. I worship God with every aspect of my life. And I always want you motivated. Just joyful. Joyful. So friends, fall in love with God. What he wants more than anything, you know what God asked us to give him first as we close? He asked you to give him his, your heart. Your heart. God is more concerned about you giving him your heart than anything else. That's what he's after. And so friend, how's your heart? If today you're here and you have yet to give Jesus your heart, I want you to understand something. He's given you his son. He wants to give you life. He wants to 
bless your life, lead your life, if today you would simply surrender your life. Your heart is built to belong to God. And until you give it to God, you're giving your heart to all sorts of other things, and none of those things will ever do. None of those things will ever produce what it is you're looking for. You're running around, I'll give my heart to this and this relationship. This, it'll, it'll never produce. Until you give your heart to God. See, because your heart is longing for God. Your heart was created for God. And he asks you to give him his heart, your heart, so that he can give you hope, and he can give you purpose, and he can give you life, and he can give you forgiveness, and he can give you, come on, that's why he gave you a son. And so if you're here today, and you've yet to give God your heart, I'm going to give you a chance to do that right now. Some of you need to give your heart back to God. I'm going to give you a chance to do that right now. Would you close your eyes with me as we pray? God, we thank you, Jesus, that You've led the way in generosity that everything we have comes from you. You are the great giver of all things. And God, what we choose to do with our lives is to live generously. You've given to us and you've asked us to give. And so God, it is our joy to give. And God, you don't have to bless us as we give, but you choose to. And Lord, we thank you for that. God, we want to live in that blessing by not doing it our way, but choosing instead to do it your way. God, for anyone in here right now that has never surrendered their heart to you, never surrendered their life to you. I pray today that they would find themselves walking out of here in relationship with you. Have you been forgiven and washed and cleansed? God, I pray you would touch them. And friend, if that's you, listen, I want to give you an opportunity to surrender to God right now. The Bible says this, that, that the wages of our sin is death. In other words, the wages of our running from God is separation from God. And some of you are separated from God right now. Listen, God loves you so much, he didn't want to leave you that way. He sent Jesus, and Jesus went to the cross, and on the cross, he took upon himself, Jesus took upon himself everything you deserve for your sins so you could be forgiven of your sin and washed of your sin and, and cleansed of your sin. God did that for you, my friend. And your job, what he asks us to do, he gave us a son, he asks you just to give him your heart, to surrender your life. And once you do, the Bible tells us that he will wash us and cleanse us, that old things will pass away, all things will be made new. And if you need that today, I'm going to give you an opportunity right now. I'm going to lead you in a word of prayer. Prayer is simply talking to God. So as I lead you, you have this conversation with God. And here's what you'd say. Come on, tell him. You say, God, God, I thank you that you love me right where I am. But I know that you've got more for me. And so today I choose to surrender my life to you. I thank you, Jesus, for going to the cross on my behalf and giving your life in my place. Would you forgive me today? Would you wash me? Would you cleanse me? And I thank you, Jesus, for rising again from the grave to lead me to life. Would you fill me with your spirit and help me to walk with you all the days of my life? Be my Lord. Be my Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone agreed together and said a good hearty. Come on, church, let's celebrate with all those that made that decision today. Amen. Thanks for joining us for today's message from Citizens Church. It's our prayer that through this message, God would impact and inspire your life. 
If you have any questions for us or would like to let us know how God is using these messages in your life, please let us know by sending an email to connect at citizenschurch.org. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online and help in seeing more lives changed through the work here at Citizens Church. Thank you so much for joining us. 